You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The open-air advantage, rising above the saturation, and dreams of performing a lost Shakespeare play. What do all of these things have in common? They represent ideas of today's guest on this episode. I'm your host, Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. Today's guest is Dustin Welch, Artistic Director of the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival. Dustin is part of my new Theater is for Everyone series, where I'm interviewing theater artists outside of the major locales to give them a chance to be heard, to discuss their work selection and production processes, while touching on their triumphs, challenges, and misconceptions. The Cleveland Shakespeare Festival is dedicated to bringing plays of professional quality to audiences in the greater Cleveland area as a way of encouraging community through theater with an emphasis on local professional artists, making the words and poetry of each play accessible to family members of all ages and cultural backgrounds. Now, please keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds different. I'm super excited, so let's bring them on. Hi, Dustin, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. How's Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland's doing well. Relatively warm day out today. Uh, surprising for a, you know, a December, December day this late in the year, but, um, but it's not too bad. Thank you. Good. It's kind of like that here too. It's, we've had like 60 degree days, you know, what, two weeks before Christmas. And I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but I'm not a weatherman. So <laughs> I just really like saying, how's Cleveland? Do you know why? Uh, why? Why? Okay. Because it's, it's from, Tootsie, the movie. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah. When they say they're in the booth and Tootsie's acting, uh, or Dorothy Michaels, if you will, with other people, and the camera gets, they always they, they have this joke. It's like, okay, close up. Not too close. Okay, now you need to pull back. <laughs> How far? One of the characters goes, How's Cleveland? Love that line. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'm glad you get to use it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Cleveland is, and, and Ohio overall has been a great friend to your program is your ticket. Mm. Um, it's, it's, I've done a lot of interviews there. Uh, Broadway Princess Party, uh, Broadway Comes to Chagrin. Um, I, I interviewed people from the Gilmore Academy, uh, mm. staff and students. It's, and it's just, it's just a great place. And I think the, the Gilmore Academy has this big, beautiful, like, um, uh, uh, arts complex now and yes have you seen it uh, i have not actually seen it but i know i mean it was a big to do right uh, uh during the process and they did a lot of promoting and yeah no it's wonderful yeah i got to tour it and it has it's so big that the rehearsal room that they have i could fit my entire new york apartment inside this <laughs> rehearsal it's huge i'm like wow this is this is really great that they have that available for teaching. And, and so anyways, yeah, yeah. Um, I love, I love Ohio. I love Cleveland. My husband's uh, people are from Ohio. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Cleveland is a wonderful place. Ohio is wonderful. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot going on here and, and I think that it's, it's often overlooked, but there's, there really is, there's so much activity and so much things that are happening. Uh, so many things that are happening. It's, it's really wonderful and it's great to be a part of that. Well, we're going to talk about that. Um, the reason why I started this series is because I wanted to give, um, this is pretty much the, the goal of my podcast anyways, but I wanted to really emphasize 
um, theater areas that sort of have to almost compete with New York, but or or LA, mm-hmm. but not really. Like, how does that make? you feel about it is are you are you on an island are you do you i mean so i I really would love to get a a good perspective on that but yeah let's start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and telling us about the cleveland shakespeare festival please yeah so cleveland shakespeare festival uh it is it's cleveland's premier free theater uh, you know, we, our seasons consist of, of touring productions, um, that, uh, we perform primarily outside. Um, and, uh, you know, we go to the, the, just, just, we go to the parks and outdoor performance areas, um, all across Northeast Ohio. Um, and, um, every single one of our shows, every one of our performances are held in a different location. So we will travel to one of the neighboring communities for one show for Friday night. Saturday will be in a completely, you know, the opposite side of town. And, um, and because of that, you know, we have audiences from, you know, all of the different communities. But what's important is that we bring our theater to them opposed to, you know, asking them to drive downtown or, you know, or, or, you know, you know, hop in a cab or, or whatever it may be. Um, and, um, and then, you know, as I said at the start, uh, all of our shows are absolutely free for all of our patrons to attend. And that is, that is just, that is huge a part of our, uh, you know, a part of our mission. This coming year, uh, 2022 is going to mark our 25th season. So we've been around for uh, a, a decent while, which is really nice. Uh, but this is only my second year as artistic director with the festival. Um, before that, I was the director of operations uh, for a couple of years. And then before that, um, I was an off-again, on-again director, choreographer, and uh, actor with the company since about 2008. So, um, yeah, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great process and I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we've done through, you know, the many years that have been a part of the festival and, um, and I, I couldn't be happier, uh, 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 you know, you know, with where we've come and where we are heading. Um, I'm really excited about, uh, just, just the prospects that we have in the future. Excellent. Love it. Free is cool and so helpful <laughs> to people who don't have sometimes the money to spend on theater. It can be very, very expensive. Yeah. So providing that experience to, to everyone without a cost is huge. And uh, it, it also means that it's up to the theater company to obtain the funds that they need to actually run the productions, which aren't cheap. So that's, I know that's probably a lot of grant writing and donations and things like that, right? That's exactly it. Grant writing, uh, donations, uh, make up a, a majority of our, uh, of our, 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 our income, um, uh, of our funds. And, um, we're looking at expanding our sponsorship program as well as partnership programs, um, to help with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is a cost to us and it is, you know, it's hard at times. Um, but you know, honestly, you get out there and you do this for free. You offer up this wonderful service and you find people who go, this is one, this is wonderful. This is great. We want this to continue. So we're going to give you money, even though you're not requiring it of your patrons to allow it to exist and survive, uh, for, you know, the many audiences who, as you said, may not be able to afford it or, you know, may not be able to afford at least, you know, uh, uh, not what a typical theater ticket would uh, would entail. So, 
Yeah, and that's great because this is from from what I can see, and as you had said before, um, this is uh, uh, your company goes to they they go to locations. They they almost tour. I mean, we've got here. I've got their uh, your uh, tour schedule here: Cleveland Heights, <laughs> Berea. I think Berea, but yes, yeah, Berea. Okay, um, Bay Village, Cleveland, Lorraine, Ment. I mean, just that's that's wild. Now, all are most of these venues that you go to are they outdoor? Yeah. So um, we didn't do this last year because of the pandemic, but um, we. Uh, do have rain spaces in case, you know, the weather doesn't permit. Um, so usually housed within somewhere near the performance venue that we would go to. But, um, but yeah, all of our shows are completely outdoors. They're intended to be so. Um, we go in, sometimes there's a, you know, a stage that's, that's, you know, pronounced. Sometimes it's elevated above the ground. Sometimes it's kind of more flat. Uh, sometimes we perform in, you know, a grassy field, essentially, you know, I mean, there's a backdrop of maybe trees or something along those lines or the, you know, we've got the lake in the background in a couple of our, uh, a couple of our venues, which is wonderful. Um, but you know, the purpose of us is that we can set up anywhere and we can, we can do it in, you know, and because of it being in all of these different spaces, it can actually be a little bit of a challenge in a good way for the actors and the director choreographer um, because they don't know exactly what it's going to be. We perform on flat stages. Sometimes they're wooden, sometimes they're concrete. Mm-hmm. We perform on, as I said, the grass. So sometimes there's little divots and unevenness. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, our stage is, you know, maybe a 20 by 20 feet, uh, uh, you know, area. Sometimes it's, only 18 by 18 or 16 by 16 or 100 by 100, you know. So we have a lot of constrictions and constraints that come in that we have to adapt to on a daily basis, which, as I said, can be a challenge, but can also be really rewarding for um, for the artists involved because it just kind of requires them to think about things that they can take for granted, uh, uh, you know, elsewhere, which is which is, you know, it's good. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of my, uh, my husband, David and I wrote a play called out the flash and it's a one person, five character, five decade play that's intercut back and forth. He performs it and we performed it in like six or seven locations, including in Dublin and each and every time it's been a different type of stage. And it's almost like you have to redirect it a little bit in a way. And, uh, and that, which can also, which for him, he's the only person up there. So he has free reign, <laughs> but I can imagine that that might be a little difficult and maybe need a little extra rehearsal time at the location to have the, to have you redirect and have the actors and technicians like accommodate that. It does. Uh, you know, during the rehearsal process, that's one thing that we absolutely drill in, uh, you know, inevitably we we don't have a full committed company of actors, but we do have some members that have been. We actually have one member who has been a part of the um, been a part of the festival for I think twenty three out of the twenty five seasons now. Uh, wow. He's fantastic. Um, a shout out to Alan. He's wonderful. Uh, but um, you know, inevitably, we will have a number of actors who are coming in for the first time, and. We drill it in them that no, 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 you have to be able to adapt. You have to know, you have to know what your purpose is, what your drive, you know, within any scene that you're going into, when your entrance time is, 
but then you have to be able to adapt and, you know, go and walk the space when we get to each, each, each space and make any of the changes that you need to, you know, we do a fight call, uh, you know, many of Shakespeare shows have fights in them, as you probably know. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll do a fight call at every space and, um, and, you know, and we take a little bit of extra time to make sure that we have what we, we need, because again, we're dealing with unknowns. And, you know, if we need to shift something a little bit farther downstage or upstage because of any, you know, situation, uh, you know, we've got to kind of do that on the fly. And, um, and, you know, and it really, again, from that artistic standpoint, especially for the actors, um, I think it really helps to tune in on the moment um, so that you're, you know, you, you have to listen more. You have to be aware of not just what you're doing and what your, you know, what, what your storyline is through the show, but also, you know, what's going on in your surroundings with the other actors or with the audience, you know, you've really got to be tuned into that um, much more. So again, uh, it can be really rewarding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep I saying mean, that, but can. Absolutely. I mean, theater is, is rewarding in itself for the people who love doing it and love watching it. We, I think we've, that's been emphasized quite a bit over the last year and a half as we've Mm. gotten through COVID and all of its crap that it hurls at us, you know, one element at a time. Did, did you doing your shows outside, did that uh, lend itself a little bit to, or did, to uh covid i mean is it because i know a lot of companies they went outside for their their theater uh did was that already in place and it helped you yes absolutely spot on uh we uh during 2020 uh we decided we we still wanted to present something for an audience, but we decided to do so digitally. We right. um we still did two shows. We did Julius Caesar and uh, Comedy of Errors. Uh, we filmed them though, and we filmed them entirely outside. So mm-hmm. uh, maintaining six feet of distance between actors, it was you know it was it was it was a bit of a of an editing nightmare in the end, but it was well worth it. It was well yeah. worth it, and um, you know we were able to to continue through with that. In 2021, we came back and yeah, because we had all of these things in place, we're used to performing outdoors. We didn't have to change our shows all that much. We, um, we encouraged the audience to, uh, to safely distance themselves. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and because of being outdoor venue, because we don't have any sort of like, you know, we don't have restrictions where, you know, you have to pay an attendance or get a ticket or anything like that. So we don't have any barriers to our performance or our audience space. So people could sit 20 feet away from anybody else if they wanted to, or 50 feet away, you know? Um, and they could really isolate in their own little, you know, the pods that, that we, we always talked about and our performance, um, you know, it worked out well because the vaccine was available then. And, you know, you know, it was just, it was, it, it, we were able to do an almost unadulterated, uninhibited performance, um, Although we did pare it down to just one show uh, uh, for the 2021 season, but other than that, we were um, we weren't we weren't too terribly affected uh, by it, which is really fortunate, and um, and and we're we're really you know really happy that that we were able to do that. Wow, that's 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 great. It really is because so many people they you know they have their own theaters and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, or they they work in a steady theater, somebody else's steady theater, and uh, that that can be 
like so difficult and um yeah so i think that's great i really that's the first thing that i thought when i saw that you do your productions outside i'm like wow that really sort of dovetailed into a fortunate uh like some some fortunate luck there <laughs> yeah nice. yeah and i do you know i i you know i cannot wait for things to get back to what we think of as normal. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, and, you know, for the theater community at large, as well as just everyone's personal lives. But, um, you know, I'm really glad to see all of the theaters, uh, or at least the, you know, the vast majority of theaters finding ways to adapt. And yeah, I mean, as you mentioned that, yes, a lot of theaters moved outside because it was necessary and, you know, and, and, and I'm so glad that they were able to, um, and have been able to push through and, and just find, find a way forward, even if it means, you know, not quite doing, you know, the, the, you know, their, their regular routine. Um, but you know, that again can be a, a blessing in disguise because, you know, who knows what they're doing? Like by moving outside, they're able to, find new ways of, of doing things. They're able to push themselves in different ways than, than they were before. And, um, and, and, you know, they might be able to take some of that with them, you know, finding, learning new lessons or, you know, just finding different ways of doing things. I mean, that's what art is. It's about expression and, and in my, in my thoughts, adapting. And, and that's what we've seen really come out of this. So again, I don't want to say it's a blessing, but it, you know, I think that there are some good things that may come from this later on um, down the road. The previous series that I did on this show is called Back Two Places. Audience, if you want to, um, if you want to hear about what Dustin is talking about from other uh, theater administrators, actors, artistic directors, there's a whole series that I did, including two cumulative episodes where these particular artists and companies talked about their experience from the very, very beginning when they were just like, all we're doing is making sure everyone is okay to how they evolved uh, throughout the um, throughout the pandemic and and what they're doing now and uh, so just if you really want to hear a lot about that you know then go go back and visit that series it's uh, I'm pretty proud of it and and it's just it's interesting to hear the arc of what people went through I mean was was that sort of like tell me about that first day when everybody had to close down oh, what, what was it like for you what, what, what were you what was your, the first day like? I mean, it was nightmarish, you know? I think I spent more time scrolling through the news on my phone than I ever had before, you know? I mean, you know, it was, uh, uh, I mean, it was just a wave of, of, you know, things closing, things shutting down. Uh, we had a, an impromptu meeting with uh, all of my board and um, we decided that we were going to move forward in one way or another. And we, we ended up doing that. Um, it was late in the game that we decided. It was actually, it was after we had cast uh, our season. Uh, we, had, we had decided to keep moving forward before we held auditions. But after we cast our season, we then decided to change things up and move to a digital filmed version, which was, you know... It was a surprise. It was a bit of a surprise to everyone, although we did sort of, you know, come at this as saying like, this is sort of our last case scenario, but we ended up having to, to move into that last case scenario. And, um, and, um, 
I was just really fortunate that I had a board that, that, you know, wasn't willing to throw in the towel that said, no, you know, our mission is, our mission is important. And, um, and, you know, we're going to see it through as best we can in whatever way we can. And, um, and that was, I mean, that was the reality of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was a weird day. It really was. Yeah. I remember out here in New York, um, people were asking me, uh, cause I live in New York, but people were asking me, uh, do you think Broadway is going to close down? And I was like, are you kidding? Broadway's a billion dollar business. There's no way they're going to, and, and then like literally three days later, boom, everything's shutting down. <laughs> yeah. So was, I mean, it was for everyone. It was a ghost town everywhere. You uh-huh. know, I mean, <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, I have a, uh, my wife and I have a dog and we, you know, we inevitably would go and, and walk her, but like, I mean, it was just like, it was one of those where you're, you're out walking along the streets and we live in a fairly, uh, uh, you know, decent arts district, um, uh, which is really nice. And, um, but it was, it was just a ghost town. It was like so rare to see anybody else out just walking or doing anything, you know, alive outside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when we did, it was so weird because you had to, you know, walk to the other side of the street to avoid them, but still like kind of say hi. Cause you're like, it's another person. I haven't seen you in so long. Right. Uh, you right. know, I haven't seen anybody, you know, <laughs> so it was just, it was, it's, it was such a bizarre time. And, um, you know, again, I mean, I, 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 I think, I think the end is in sight. I know we've got a long ways to go, but I'm just so looking forward to that day when, you know, we, we can kind of maybe in a, in one small way, put this behind us. I want it all behind us. Yeah. I, want it, I want it back to the way it was. Okay. Let's talk about your sele- selection process for the plays that you're, you're going to do. How do you go about picking them out of his, out of Shakespeare's um, uh, vault of plays? Yeah. So, you know, every summer we, we typically tour with two productions. Um, Occasionally, we will do an off-season show, um, a, a third show that we either produce or will partner with another organization or theater. Um, but inevitably, most most often, um, our shows are either from or inspired by the works of William Shakespeare. So, you know, um, you know, we will. I would say, actually, we have done. Um, we've actually produced. Every play in Shakespeare's canon, except for five, uh, which is really nice throughout the, throughout the years. Um, but you know, we also will do shows that are, you know, sort of Shakespeare adjacent from the time of Shakespeare or shows that are inspired by like, um, uh, we've done Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and, you know, and things of that nature. Um, but more importantly than, you know, the, whether we do Shakespeare, whether we do something that's inspired by Shakespeare, more importantly is that each show it needs to offer something to our community. Um, it needs to be relevant to the time. Uh, and you know, it just, it needs to be in that vein and, and offer something, um, more than just picking a show because it's fun. We want to do it or anything like that. You know, we haven't done this in a while, that sort of thing. So, you know, this coming year we're producing Hamlet and, uh, the learned ladies, which is actually our first time that we are going to be producing a Moliere piece. Um, uh, the learned ladies, uh, it's, uh, you know, one of, uh, it's, it's Moliere's last great play. Um, we're doing a translation by Timothy Mooney and, um, we're really excited for that. That's going to be, um, something sort of venturing into, uh, you know, another, another realm for us a little bit. So, 
Um, but you know, as far as the process goes, I mean, I guess probably one of the bigger things that we do is yes, we, you know, it is important to, to, uh, you know, to offer something to our communities, as I said. Uh, but we also work with the directors that we're bringing in. Um, so we want it to be something that they want to do. We're not going to be like, we're selecting this and we want you to direct it. It's, we work with them right off the bat when we're like, Hey, we'd like you to come direct with us. What are some shows that you would, you know, enjoy doing? And, um, you know, and, and like just this past year, I met with, uh, eight or nine different directors that I would love to all, I would love to bring them all in. And I wasn't able to do that this coming year, obviously, but, um, you know, but, but I kind of have them in the back burner going, okay, this would be great, but not, you know, these ideas that you have would be wonderful. Not for this year though. So, you know, are you open to directing in the, in the future? And, and, you know, for the most part they are, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's just that collaborative process as far as determining what we do. That's great. It's wonderful that you, you, you know, you give directors opportunities, you give them an opportunity to express what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then match it up with, it sounds like sociologically, whatever's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, that's actually really smart because it infuses, it gets to the audience because it's something they've been hearing about and thinking about and, uh, wanting to change or, or whatever. And it also gives passion to the director Yeah, in the direct, it's like a passion project for them in a way. You know, as a, as a director, I mean, I myself always look at a show and if I, you know, it's, it's, I come at it from an acting standpoint. If I can envision myself in a role, I'm going to want to play that role, right? Mm. As a director, I need to be able to, in my mind, envision myself in almost every single role. Um, you know, whether it's, it's the villain, whether it's, you know, the, the antagonist or the protagonist, whether it's a, you know, a one, one off character or whether it's, you know, the character that, that binds the show together. Um, but I need to see what those characters, where they're coming from, gain a relation to them. Uh, because then I'm, you know, that way I'm able to actually help direct it. I'm able to actually, you know, I can, envision myself living as that character so I can have a sense of what that character needs to, what part that character needs to play within the overall uh, uh, arc of the play. Um, the, I think that's so important. I think that connection to Shakespeare is uh, paramount in its importance because uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a big Shakespeare fan. And the reason why <laughs> is because when I'm watching a Shakespeare play there, to me, there is, a chasm that's created there by the language. And um, for the longest time I was like, I just, I don't under, it's just, I'm not. And then I'm, I, I'm one of those people who I want to understand every single line. And then somebody in my writing group said, why don't you just go and sit there and let the experience wash over you? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I thought, well, okay, well I'll try. And so I set a goal to go to one Shakespeare play a year. Also one ballet and one opera because oh, nice. I think I think the reason I, I think if you do that, then you're connecting maybe not to every single line, but to the big beats of the story. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's great, and it's always much better when 
the uh, actors are understanding their language. They're not just out there spouting it like pink poetry. It's just they're breaking down each line and, oh, okay, well, I can, I get that now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it really, when you approach Shakespeare, it, it needs to stem from the text. You know, Shakespeare, although we often think of it that like Shakespeare is this foreign language, it's actually still modern English. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe not the English that we, that we text with, but it's still, you know, modern, modern English and the words that we use are, they're not foreign. Um, but as you said, yeah, it's this heightened language and it's so hard to kind of dig your way into it and, and to comprehend it, uh, uh, especially when you're just kind of hearing it. But I mean, if I were to just dribble on about whatever it is without any meaning to the sounds that I was making, even though I may actually be, be, um, uh, uh, you know, speaking English, uh, it's still going to sound, you know, incoherent to you because there's no underlying subtext to it. There's no, you know, there's no thought that I'm trying to deliver because I'm just rambling off some words that I may have memorized. But if you dig in, as I said, to the text, which is, which is really where you need to start, um, where the director, the actors come into this is by digging in, gaining the meaning of the, of the language, gaining the meaning that the characters, the thoughts that the characters are having, and then uh, uh, understanding those thoughts, bringing them to life through the use of the language, through the text, then all of a sudden, you know, the text that Shakespeare wrote is just a vehicle for the thought process that is trying to be conveyed. I mean, it's the same thing that I'm doing right now. I'm trying to, you know, express to you and listeners, uh, you know, just this, this, this complex, you know, process, um, by using the language that I'm doing. I'm just making it up as I go. But, um, but really, I mean, it just comes down to that. It just comes down to digging into the text. Um, and, um, you know, I, you know, that's, that's kind of as a segue into, you know, just, just sort of my own, my own thoughts with this is, um, you know, when I personally do it, um, and I look at a play, uh, I will start with the first folio, which, um, is, you know, is, is, it's a collection of Shakespeare's works. It was printed in 1609, uh, 1623. And, um, the first folio, I mean, it's a collection of, of all of his plays, um, or most of his plays. I dig into that because, um, it's, it's actually, it has so many context clues written in it, in the punctuation, the capitalization, um, uh, of the words and thoughts. And, um, and those act as road signs for the actors so that when, you know, they will have, you know, a particular word is capitalized. There'll be like a noun or a verb that's, you know, that's capitalized and, um, and they can go, okay, that word is important. And so they kind of find those context clues and build the overarching thought process, um, around that. And, um, you know, really starting there in my mind, um, sort of at the source is, very important for then building that clarity, which I think is important for you, the listener or the watcher is building that clarity for you. So ultimately, no matter where we start, we're aiming towards that. We're bringing out those thoughts and those and the language and trying to make it as clear for you. And as you pointed out, yeah, you, uh, you know, sometimes you don't Sometimes you, you, you don't understand every little detail 
And, um, and, you know, maybe you've read the play, maybe you haven't read the play, maybe you're, you've read a summary of the play, maybe you're just going in totally, you know, totally blind to it all. Um, but there's still so much that you can absorb. And if done right, I think both the language and the physical presence of the actors on stage by bringing it to life, um, they can, they can do so much to help with that clarity and, um, and, and making it something that, that, as I said, even if it's not every moment, you're still able to take something significant from it. Which makes it work on two levels because you're entertaining people who don't necessarily aren't really at the, the level of connecting with the language that other people are. And you're also entertaining the people who have connected with the language and, and have studied it and, and understand it. So that, I think that's one of, uh, in my opinion, I don't know if Shakespeare intended this, probably not because he just wrote in the language that he uh, the vernacular that he spoke, but um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty genius because it can work on both levels. So um, wow. that's terrific. Um, talk about your production process. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, really, I think most, you know, it probably aligns with most rehearsals, uh, most other theaters production process um, as it goes forward. But um you know, one thing I will say that we actually discovered during the pandemic is, you know, all of our auditions moved to this online format. Uh, we had our actors record uh, their auditions, send them in uh, mostly through, you know, YouTube or some other, you know, some other place to, to post videos. Um, right. But uh, that process, um, Although I really missed the the personal connection that you get with it um, with an audition, that process is probably going to be something that stays with us um, with with us particularly for Cleve Shakes. Um, you know on it just saves so much time and resources by you know we don 't have to have the actors come in we don 't have to have them congregate all together and huddle in a you know a room before they 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 come on to the the you know into the room to audition um, and uh they, you know, it, as I said, it saves this time and resources. And then, you know, through that process, we are again, moving forward, we're going to, uh, we would then move to live callbacks. And so that's something that we're looking at for this coming year in, in, in our process. And we're going to see how it kind of works out. Mm-hmm. But then when we actually get into the rehearsal room, you know, it starts with the text, as, as I've said before, it starts with us reading the play, understanding the play, and it might be a good week week and a half before we actually get up and, and start physicalizing things. You know, we're doing a lot of table work. We're doing a lot of understanding because yes, we have actors that come in that are seasoned professionals. Um, as I said, one of our actors have been with us for like 23 years. Uh, we also have actors that are, you know, sometimes doing Shakespeare for the very first time or, or have just, you know, maybe come out of, out of their undergraduate program and have maybe taken a class on it, you know? Um, and, um, and so, you know, we approach it from that learning standpoint of what is this play? Uh, what are we telling with this play? And, um, and, and who are you, who are, who is your character? Who are you throughout the process? And, um, and then, you know, we start to put it up on its feet. I will say also one way that we probably differ from most other theaters is when we get to tech week, because we're outside, we don't, we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, lights. 
we don't have to worry about some of these technical elements that, that go into a lot of indoor theaters. You know, our light is the sun. And, you know, we sit down and we perform at seven o'clock and we end by nine o'clock because that's when the sun sets. <laughs> and, you know, so that's, it fits in within that. So, so, you know, so during our tech week, actually, we are, and again, we perform at so many different spaces. We actually take our tech week to one of our location spaces and we're performing outside and we're doing this in, in a public park. And, you know, we're doing a live rehearsal and people kind of wander in, you know, we maybe have some signs up, but we're not promoting it. Uh, we have some signs up to let people know what's going on. And people walk by with their dog or are biking through and they'll like pause and watch. And sometimes they'll sit and watch for like 20, 30 minutes, um, uh, which is, which is nice. It kind of helps the audience almost like a preview. It helps them get accustomed to having an audience in front of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, that's our tech week. It's actually out and open and it's not a private affair. So that's probably one of our, our biggest sort of, I, I personally love that aspect uh you know it's very transparent um but it's probably one of the biggest ways that we differ from from most traditional theaters but that's cool though when that happens when you like just sort of walk walk up to art and i you turn the corner and something artistic is happening for you i think that's really really neat uh reminds me of once when david and i were in paris and we're walking around and we went to i think it's called the, the pompadour it's the big staircase Mm. And we were going there. All of a sudden, we turned the corner, and there's this giant, like, human mobile in the middle of the square with people hanging. One's playing a violin, and, you know, one's clowning. And, and I just thought, that's – I just remember that. And I thought, how fortunate we are that we just walked up to that. Like, we turned the corner, and there it was. It is so – it's so serendipitous. It's so wonderful and just such a lovely surprise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and great for people who aren't necessarily into art. It's – you know, other than, you know, maybe they see their kids play or something like that. Um, it's, I, I just think that's, I think it's really cool. Several, Um, uh, several years ago, we actually, this is, I love this story is, uh, we, what was it? I, I can't remember the actual show, but we were in the middle of a tech and, um, these group of three girls, they were young, probably like the oldest was maybe 14. Uh, youngest was probably six or seven. And they were just standing at the edge watching us for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm directing. So I'm kind of like wandering about, you know, the audience looking at different angles and things like that. And I notice them and I kind of, you know, just keep them in my peripheral, just kind of, you know, you know, how long they're staying. As I said, they stay for like 10 or 15 minutes. They're just watching. And it's like, they're just these young girls that, that are experiencing this didn't know what was happening or, you know, that this was happening. Uh, uh, and then, you know, after 10 or 15 minutes, they wander off and I'm like, okay, great. That gave them such a wonderful experience. But then five minutes later, they come back and they've gotten snacks from the local grocery store and they sit down with the snacks and finish watching the show. And it was like, it was just such a lovely, uh, uh, experience. And it, and it, 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 you know, I'm sure, I hope that it stuck with them, but it sure stuck with me. And that's just, that's, that's, really at the heart of, of what we do, just giving it unto the community for them to, to partake as they will. And, you know, these, I'm guessing sisters were able to come and enjoy this and hopefully they went back and told their parents and, and, you know, and, and, and just, you know, it gave them, it gave them that lasting memory. You may have sparked uh, one of them into being an actor. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and for sure now they're going to be interested in Shakespeare because, 
you and your team brought that to them. And again, they just walked in. Now I love human mobiles, so I know exactly <laughs> how they feel. Yeah. Um, now you've worked from, I understand from your bio that you've worked uh, in a lot of theater areas, if you will, theater mm-hmm. locales. Now, you've worked in New York, right? Uh, not New York City, but the States. I've gone and I've done a, a, a number of colleges throughout the States. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, what are some of the challenges facing the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival in the context of producing in the same sort of overall theater world? Let's just say we, we group all of theater together. Um, how, what are some of the challenges that you face that aren't really occurring as much in the larger known areas of theater production? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I love theater and I love going to see, you know, I love going and attending some of our larger theaters here, here in Cleveland, um, and off, you know, taking it, even going and visiting Broadway, wonderful things. I'm incredibly happy for the success that any theater, uh, theatrical organization is able to find, um, you know, huge and small, um, you know, outside of New York City, Cleveland is the second largest theater district in the country. Um, really? It is. Yes. We have, we are, we are, I mean, saturated with theater. It is, it's, 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 it really is a blessing. Um, you know, and I'm grateful to be a part of, you know, this web of art and expression within our city. Um, but, you know, one of the largest frustrations that I have is when I go to seek funding or, you know, you know, some kind of promotion or something. And, um, and I, and I, I hear, uh, you know, does Cleveland really need another theater? And it's that, it's that, it's that saying, and I, and I've heard this a number of times. Um, my first thought from hearing, you know, does Cleveland really need another theater or any city, you know, sub in any, any city. My first thought is, you know, I mean, we've been around for 25 years now. So I'm like, well, we're not just another theater, but you know, we're small enough that you may not be hugely aware of us, but my usual response, my usual response is, is, um, is yes, we do. We do need another theater because, you know, there's clearly a voice that, that needs to be heard and, and it doesn't have an outlet. So, you know, I mean, growing a theater organization is, is hard. It's, it's not easy. And, um, and no one's going to do it if, if it's not important to them. If they don't, you know, have a drive or a reason for bringing their art into existence. But, you know, as I said, they need, if they need a voice, if they need their voice to be heard, they're going to do it. And on a fundamental level, I, I, I understand the question as well. You know, there, as I said, there's a saturation of theater here. And, um, and it can be hard to try and garner funding because you have so many theaters. I mean, I, I don't know the number that we have in Cleveland, but it is, um, you know, I, 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 we, we, you know, in the pandemic, we had a meeting, a digital meeting with, with, we, it invited to every single theater out there. And I think we had, uh, 50 or 60 different attendees with that. And no one was allowed to bring more than two people to it. So, um, you know, just within this, this, you know, within the Cleveland area, that's, you know, we've got, you know, probably we have dozens of theaters. Um, so the saturation is real and, um, you know, 
you know, why do we need to bring more things into our lives to, to watch or, or listen to, you know, I mean, we have so much content out there, you know, I do, I get it. It takes up our time. Um, but you know, the one thing that theater and I think small theaters really get a handle on is the locality of the art form, you know, you know, again, nothing against the broadways of the world, you know, that, you know, who, 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 you know, people, you know, it's, it's a huge event and, and, you know, people will, will fly in from everywhere, part of the world to see a show that is wonderful. But, you know, theater can be an incredibly local entity too, you know, and art is, it's, it's, it's literally meant for a limited number of people to experience. You know, there are only so many tickets. It only runs for so long. Um, you know, the standard is you don't record it. It is meant to be an experience and it is meant to, you know, there, there's, only, there's a limitation to that experience. So, you know, crafting your art to serve the, the personal and local needs and purposes of your community is, is the key for, you know, for smaller, uh, uh, for smaller theaters. And, um, and that's where we can thrive. And, and, you know, that's, that's where we can specialize in. You know, what's great is that I've, I've just totally learned something from you. And I, I wrote down here, the saturation can be a challenge. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get that it's there when there's so much, it's like, who do you pick? Or do you just, it, do you just, does your brain just go, I, I can't pick. Um, plus again, it's a lot of, uh, companies, uh, fighting for funding. Um, you know, and who do you donate to? It's, it's a lot of that. Um, that's, that's a very interesting theory. That's why I like doing these series because, you know, I'm, um, uh, I'm thinking like, you know, you're going to say something like, well, they have more money than we do, or which I know is probably the case, uh, considering the fact that it's millions of dollars out here, but, um, but that's that's a really cool answer. I I like that answer. That's awesome. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, really digging in deep and and swimming within you know you know the needs and and daily activities of a, of a small theater. I mean, that's your reality. You know, I mean, that's that's what you're dealing with on a on a almost daily basis. So yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, as a writer, I've had shows produced, and I'm always just when I go into, because usually when you're the writer, you'll sit in the rehearsal room and tweak the script. That's pretty much all you do <laughs> and give an interview here and there. But, you know, you already have your own writer that's, you know, provided you a lot of work, which is awesome. But <laughs> I'm always like when I'm watching the production process, I'm always like, oh, my God, this is a lot of work. And um, and and sometimes with these these production companies, these theater production companies, it's not a big payoff yeah. because of the oversaturation. Not that that's what's happening with you guys. I, I, I don't know, but that is a syndrome. It, I mean, and it can be, it mm-hmm. certainly can be. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I don't know my way through, you know, I don't know the, the perfect way through that. You know, I think it's a problem that we have to, we just have to, to, to take on an individual basis. Yeah. Oh yeah, I always tell people you're competing with so many things that you don't even realize until you go through it. Like you know, well, TV and platforms and and, and movies when we're from the before and hopefully after times, and uh, you know, driving, parking. Uh, it's there's so many things that that you really have to get the 
perception of the audience over yeah. to, to, to get them there. And so I, I, I feel you. I really do. That's, that's tough. I'm, which is why I'm glad that you guys do it for free and you're mm-hmm. in a, a locale where people normally congregate. Yeah. So that's, that's very, very cool. Um, what are some of the misconceptions of smaller, more independent theaters in, in, I mean, and it could be, it could be from the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival or it could be from, from some of your other experiences. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I think that we've been kind of talking around it and, and you, you mentioned it for, for certain is that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I would say misconception is that even though small theaters don't have the resources that larger theaters often do, um, uh, they're sometimes viewed as as of lesser quality. Um, they're sometimes viewed as as maybe not worthwhile. Um, and um, and you know and this is this is uh, you know all coming from an individual standpoint, right? Everybody you know has their own you know their own ways of of valuing um, um, you know art. Um, but you know I think that having a larger budget for a show doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a better show. Um, you know, all theater really, it relies on the audience's imagination, no matter whether you can throw a million dollars into it or, you know, $50 into, you know, whatever show you are still relying on, on, on an audience to come in and, you know, suspend their disbelief as the term goes right to go. I'm not sitting in a theater. I'm and watching a show. No, I'm, I'm, I'm living in this experience. I'm taking it in. And I know that those are actors on there, but I'm going to believe that. No, no, that person really did just, you know, uh, 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 kill that other person or whatever it may be, you know, that we, we can just kind of dig ourselves into no matter what the, 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 the level of funding is, we all have to rely on the, the audience's imagination. So I feel like the quality of, you know, theater should be based on how well the art they produce taps into that. Um, you know, how well they tell the story. That's really what it comes down to, no matter what, with or without, you know, the bells and whistles of it all. And, um, you know, specifically for, for us, for Cleve, for Cleve Shakes, as we, as we call it, um, you know, because we're free, uh, you know, sometimes we're taken for granted by the communities we serve, um, or overlooked. Um, uh, but, you know, because we're free and because we're outdoors, we actually have an abnormally high proportion of younger audience members that come to see our shows. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, families who, who they don't have to worry about, you know, laying down a hundred to $400 or, or more to, you know, bring them and their kids to see a show right. and, you know, to crowd into a darkened space uh, darkened theater and, um, you know, hoping that their, their seven-year-old who they want to give this exposure to culture, but hoping that they don't get bored halfway through and start to cause a commotion or something along those lines. You know, we get a lot of families that come to see our show because we're outdoors, we're in the parks. And, you know, if, uh, young children that are experienced Shakespeare possibly and probably for the first time, you know, they may only want to sit for 20 minutes before they need to get up and go to the other end of the park to play on the playground for a little bit. But they're, but they're still absorbing, um, you know, what theater is and what Shakespeare is or, or whatever show that we're, we have to offer. And, you know, 
this may be going a little bit off the point, but you know, on a personal note, you know, I, I grew up and I, I was one of those families that, that, um, we, we didn't have money for, for theater. We, we, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I loving parents and, and, and a loving household. Um, but you know, we were definitely not well off and, um, and it was a, it was, it, you know, this art, this culture was something that I, I didn't experience, you know? And, um, and it wasn't until I believe I was a, a sophomore in, uh, in, in high school and we were studying, uh, Julius Caesar and I, we studied Romeo and Juliet my freshman year, and I hated it. Um, just probably many freshmen do. I could, couldn't stand it. I didn't understand it or anything like this. Um, but you know, I, I got placed in this English class, and I was, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was struggling. I had like, I was like a C minus, you know, at best. Uh, but we get to this Julius Caesar segment, and I, I just, I just flourish. Like I just found my way and I turned into like an A student, almost an A plus student in that. And, but you know, uh, and and the teacher who was also the drama teacher for the school, Mrs. Higgins, uh, a lovely, lovely human being, she saw that and she, I don't know if it was because of this, I like to think it was, but that's just probably my own personal uh, uh, pride coming into it. But she saw that and she brought the class, uh, she had an extracurricular uh, um, uh, 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 experience, a, a field trip. She took the class to uh, a Shakespeare play. We went to see Taming of the Shrew. And I, that was my first live show. And I saw it and um, I didn't understand, I'm sure, almost any of it, but I loved it. I loved the, 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 just the vibrancy of it. And the, the, it just felt, it was so alive and it was, and it was just, it was, it was wonderful. And, you know, it was that accessibility that honestly, it changed my course. I mean, you know, I, I, I started getting into theater. I went to school and, you know, the, the, I can really attribute all of my successes and failures in the theater world uh, back to that because without it, I, I don't know what course I would have taken, but that was, you know, that was fundamental. And, and so, you know, being able to offer that, trying to, to segue this back to your, to your question, being able to offer that as a small theater um, who, you know, brings their, their, their shows for free to an audience and allows, not even allows, like requires or, or, you know, expects the audience to give their imagination into it, to invest in it themselves. I, I, I hope, you know, if we can, if we could do what happened for me to one person, I would, I would, I would consider, I mean, my whole endeavor, my whole professional career success. And, and I, and I hope, you know, I hope that we do that. And I, and I, and I, I, I hope that we do that every year, but, but, you know, but the fact that we, we, we offer it and, and that we, we, we do this and we're able to do it as a small theater that is able to, to move through that. I mean, that's, I think that's paramount. Wow. It sounds like you've already, like you knew the misconceptions that people would have and you geared your, your mission towards busting those. And that's very cool. 
Yeah. Um, and I will say, I didn't come up with the mission. You know, I was the, the, you know, or well, my personal mission, the mission of the, of, of Cleve Shakes, which, which has existed forever. I mean, and it just, just fits in. I found myself, I found my way to Cleveland Shakespeare Festival, um, and was able to fit in with that and, and really, you know, and, and really utilize it. And it's just, it's wonderful that these kinds of, uh, uh organizations exist. So, yeah. It, it, you related to it, I think, because it was your story. Yeah. You know, just presented and like, yeah, that, I, that's what I want to do. And um, uh, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I really do. Because again, when I'm writing, when I was writing out these questions, cause you're the first show of this topic, I was thinking people were going to be more like, um, like gripes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, we don't have this, but what you're doing is you're saying, this is how we are different in a good way. And I think that that's amazing. It's opening my eyes and, and, you know, clearing up a lot of my ignorance. And hmm. I appreciate that. Now, I want to say, I, I love what you said about uh, the families and people going to a park and it's hmm. more relaxed. I just thought of something, and you probably have thought of this many times. Uh, that kind of situation really lends itself to the way Shakespeare was originally produced at the Old Globe Theater. And I know yeah. you, you know that, right? <laughs> oh yeah. There, I mean, there, there That's are parallels. I mean, it's all, you know, we're all groundlings in the audience. We're all just sitting there experiencing it and, and it's meant for the audience. You know, yeah. we don't have a curtain to, to hide, you know, to close, to close in, um, you know, to end the scene. Uh, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it is an immersive experience in a sense. Um, because we're out in the public. So there are people, even when we're performing, there are people walking their dogs and the dogs bark at the sword fight that's happening. Or, uh, you know, someone rides their bike years ago, we had someone who was oblivious and they rode their bike right between the audience and the stage. It was just <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, and, uh, Funny. you know, but that it brings, you know, it's a little bit of the elephant in the room, but it also brings everybody together and it shows that, yeah, Art can happen anywhere. You don't need to, you know, just as you said, your installment of people that, the the was it aerial, like the hanging, you know, the, the, the a giant crane with people hanging off on. Strings. That was it. It was very Cirque du Soleil. Art can happen anywhere. And that it's so rewarding. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Uh, okay. You are an award-winning fight choreographer and stage combat instructor. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, stage combat and particularly, uh, choreographing fights, um, uh, is one of the, 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 you know, the many, but one of my, my, my highest loves in my life. Um, it is, uh, it's so much fun. Uh, you know, I get to play with swords almost on a daily basis. The eight year old inside of me is just, happy as I'll get out. Uh, but, um, you know, I started off training in the art of stage combat, which is, which is uh, just, you know, for everyone just to set it, it, you know, stage combat is sort of the illusion of violence, uh, for, uh, theatrical purposes. So oftentimes it's, it tells a story through, um, you know, through, you know, this quote unquote violence, which is, which is, as I said, an illusion. Um, it is meant so that it is safe for the actors and the audience, but it is also, uh, intended to 
look real and be visually impressive and storytelling for, for storytelling purposes. So, you know, I started training in this in my undergrad at Ashland university and, um, I went on to study with the society of American fight directors. Um, I found out that I, I kind of had a knack for it. Uh, you know, it, it, like, I just, um, I just, it just, it's something inside of me like clicked as I, as I did it. And as I said, it, it's one of my, it's one of my, the loves of my life is doing this. Um, so I have, you know, uh, I've done freelance choreography, uh, with almost every theater here in Cleveland. Um, I've done a number of universities, um, uh, all throughout Ohio and New York. Um, I've gone out to the Ohio, uh, excuse me, Idaho Shakespeare Festival, um, and done, uh, their Richard the Third with, uh, uh, with, with their education department. Um, uh, and, um, I've probably choreographed, I don't know, anywhere from 70 to 80 productions, um, uh, throughout the, the number of years that I've been doing it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fight experience was probably my foot in the door when it came to getting involved in Shakespeare. Uh, and, and, you know, Shakespearean productions, um, you know, the directors knew that I could handle a sword. So, you know, I could be cast as, you know, someone, you know, one of the fighters within the plays and, um, and, and that's really where I kind of got my start. And then I like started to understand the language and the story of Shakespeare more and more. Um, and that led to me to actually choreographing, um, and not just performing, but doing the choreography for, you know, I've done dozens of Romeos and Juliets. I cannot tell you how many, how many, uh, fights of, of that show I have done. Uh, and, um, you know, and then that eventually led me to directing Shakespeare because, um, you know, really at, at the heart of stage combat is, um, it's, it's, you know, it's dealing with physicalizing, um, conflict. It's when conflict escalates beyond, you know, beyond words or beyond, you know, and it takes form of, of violent action, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, conflict is at the heart of every story that we tell, um, whether it's on stage or off, but still it's, it's about conflict is what drives a story forward. So that really kind of led me into, um, you know, it led me, it, it sort of led me into this realm and, and it, you know, gave me the introduction to Shakespeare that I really needed. Wow. Um, I remember I've, I've taken two acting classes in my life. And the reason why I took them is because uh, as a writer, I wanted to know the limitations of the actors on stage, mm-hmm. like what they have to deal with up there. And um, in my second year, my more advanced acting class, uh, I chose to do a scene from the play Extremities. Yeah. Which is so much violence for for the audience out there. It's uh, a play about uh, a lady who is um, almost followed home, if you will, or by a rapist and, and attacks her. And then she flips it on him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. Farrah Fawcett did it mm-hmm. here in New York. I think after Susan surrounded and surrounded did it and she did the movie and we did the most violent of scenes because I was like, I want to know what the actor is having to deal with. And my husband, who was pretty good at fight choreographer, he was directing mm. us, and and he told me the rule is that the victim is always in control. Yep. They control the direction of the fight, not the person who's uh, instigating the violence. He told me, he told me that. And then secondly, I just learned that 
oh my God, like this is like, you know, they're remembering their blocking, their lines, their characterization, <laughs> and now they're remembering counts and keeping each other safe while you're doing this. It really adds a lot to what they're doing. Yeah. And it, it was, it was, it really like when I saw that in your bio, it was like, okay, I got to ask. <laughs> I mean, what, what is your, uh, do you have a system for this or do you have theories or what uh, yeah. have you? I mean, I, you know, really what it comes down to is, you know, it is about storytelling. And I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm trained in the Stanislavski technique. So it really comes down to, you know, the action of it, right. And what that action, what the intention is. So when I approach, you know, any sort of choreography, uh, you know, the first thing that I do is I, I, I ask the actors, you know, when I'm in the room, um, I ask the actors what, their, uh, you know, what constraints they, they have personally, what their comfort level is. And I, I set up an open dialogue, um, because yeah, you know, as you know, in the case of the extremities, you know, it can get dark and there's so many times where it can just be light and fluffy, you know, I mean, like it can just be fun, you know, the three musketeers, which may not be light and fluffy, but it's, it's adventurous, right? So it doesn't always have to be incredibly dark, you know, these, these, these moments that I'm, that, you know, we're going into choreography, but regardless, the actor needs to be comfortable and confident in what they're doing. It's like, if they go on stage and they don't know their lines, they can't act. They're actors trying to find their lines. Mm -hmm. If they're not comfortable with what they're doing, whether it's fight choreography or just walking down a set of staircase, uh, they can't act. They're uncomfortable in the moment. So they're trying to deal with that stimuli and, um, and not able to do the job that everyone has come to see them do. So really at a fundamental level, it starts there. And then beyond that, then you go, well, okay, how can we fit what we need to do uh, into the director's vision? And how can we do it in a way that the audience will uh, believe it, buy into it and, and hopefully enjoy it in whatever sense that enjoy means that they will take from it what they, you know, what they, what they need to take from it for the story's sake. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of my philosophical approach to it. And then, you know, on a practical level, it just, you know, it comes down to the actors that I'm working with and the needs from the director and, and, you know, and, and all the other constraints that, that come into it. Yeah. It's almost uh, like stage magic in a way. Yeah. Because I remember he he did a lot of uh, when he was, he he acted in a play called Oleana. It's a David Mamet play. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. But but it's uh, for the for the audience. It's about a, it's a two character play up about um I, I don't want to say sexual harassment. It, it's about a perception mm. of of violence and and. It's you just have to read it or see it. There's a movie of it, um, but it's 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 just about a college professor and one of his students, and she comes in and you know she's confronting him on a lot of stuff that has to do with where he is. He's uh, crossing lines, hmm. and in the end, there is a big fight. <laughs> and I remember when I first saw him do it, I was like, "Oh my god, that looked real." But he's like, oh, no, no, when we did this, you know, I, I had to slam her head down on the desk and I actually, you know, she actually is the one who went down and I just follow her with my hand and I slammed the door of the desk so no, that nobody could see. 
that's where we got this down. It's like, it's like a magic show. It is. Yeah. There's, you know, I often describe it as it's, it's a bit of dance. It's a bit of martial arts in a sense, or any sort of martial, you know, whether it be fencing or whether it be anything like that. Uh And, um, and then, and then it's, it's magic. There's, there's yeah. sleight of hand. There's so much sleight of hand and you have to play, totally. you have to play angles. You have to, you have to do, um, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The, the, the miss, uh, uh, you know, you have to pull the audience's attention to something so that way you can mask something else. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it is, it's a magic show. Yeah. And, and it's also, uh, dovetailed. And this is, I think, a really good thing into intimacy coordinators mm-hmm. who actually, uh, stage, uh, a, a love scenes on stage that, that the actors can be comfortable with. Um, in my opinion, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know what? He or she told me to do this and that's why I'm doing it. If I cross a line, you let me know. I did a, a show, uh, uh on the Me Too, uh, element in theater a while back and um that's a very interesting show if if audience if you'd like to listen to that that talks a lot about uh people crossing lines and what it was all female all female actors and what what is expected in those situations you know it's there's a lot of boundaries a lot more boundaries i think than people really understand and and if they don't understand i think that's I mean, by, by that, I mean audience, I think that makes for a better moment because they're believing that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, intimacy direction or choreography is, um, it's, it's very relatable to stage combat and actually a lot of, a lot of fight choreographers, um, was actually developed by a fight choreographer, by a fight. Uh, uh, I believe she, it was developed by a fight choreographer and um, uh, uh, I don't know all of my facts on this, so I don't want to make up and say something that I shouldn't, but um, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, people in the fight world move into that and they, they study it as well. And I've, I've done a, a handful of workshops myself on that because it's translatable and it's something that is, you know, it's oftentimes or for the longest time it was overlooked and and i think that we as a as a society uh, and certainly as an art form are heading in the right direction towards that um and i and i i think that we still have quite a ways to go to make you know the me too movement and everything like that uh uh, uh that we we still have a, a long way to go to to you know to really find balance and where it should be but i'm very happy that we are moving in the right direction so oh absolutely it it really is the the actor is has to be primary and whatever's going on up there and and it does have to be controlled there was a theater company i won't name it but they studied a certain technique and applied it to their productions and and things would just get out of hand because there were no boundaries set it was like whatever you're feeling just do it and that's that can offend a lot of people and um so i'm glad we're getting away from that i really mm-hmm. am I, I don't know I don't, I, I don't know how somebody could actually break that boundary, but people do or did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could, as artistic director, have three wishes for the development of the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival, what would they be? <laughs> 
This is such a good question. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's just so open-ended. Uh, you know, <laughs> Thanks, I it's mean, not my first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you secretly a genie? Are you able to grant these? Cause that might alter the way that I, that I, that I wish. Is that no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I could barely accomplish my own goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, every theater, uh, can, I mean, every theater, no matter how big or small, I mean, every theater can use more money, you know, I mean, it just helps things work. Uh, but you know, that's such a boring answer or, you know, or, 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 or wish. Uh, so, you know, I, I think more specifically and what like we would do had we, you know, that, that money or whatnot is, um, is, you know, ultimately I would love for us to have a larger facility uh, uh, here in, in Cleveland for, for Cleveland Shakespeare Festival, um, a larger facility that would allow us to really expand our, um, education programming. Just like you, t- you spoke at the beginning with, um, Gilmore Academy mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, just having, having, a, a like a, a state of the art facility that we could, that we can, you know, expand what we do and, um, uh, both on the production level, but again, you know, as I said, for our education programming, I would, I would love that. Um, the second would be a touring stage truck. Uh, you know, like, uh, like, like an old, I would love to have like an old, um, you know, one of those, one of those wagons that fold out a dozen different times into a stage, you know, uh, with trap doors and curtains that, you know, scroll in from the wings. Um, uh, maybe not without the like horse and carriage kind of thing to it, but, you know, having something like that, that we could take through the city it was iconic. Uh, and it really like, you know, they'd be like, you know, Oh, that's, that's the, the, you know, that's the Shakespeare festival. And, um, and then, you know, we could unfold it in a park and, you know, and, and raise up a flag to show that the audience that we're doing a show and the audience would come flocking in. I would love that. Um, and then third, I would say, um, uh, if we, if we discovered, like in my attic, we discovered, you know, uh, the last remaining manuscript of a long lost Shakespeare play, uh, Love's Labor's One or something, you know, we, that we could put on the premiere performance of it. That's, that's what I would love, that we could be that iconic and, and be like at the center of, of something like that. Um, you know, that one's maybe a little bit larger than life, but, uh, but you know, that would be, that would be awesome. So those are my three. We can dream, can't we? That's right. That's right. I love. It. I'm writing it down. I okay, good, good, good. I, I hey, listen, right. listen. If it changes and you can make any of those come true, you just, uh, you just, you've, you, you've got my email. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I may have to battle with the actual Old Globe Theater in London, but you know, hey, yeah, I am know? in fact me. So <laughs> don't. Ac- <laughs> Don't expect anything. <laughs> By the way, if you've never been to the Old Globe Theater, I'm, oh. I'm I'm speaking directly to the audience. If you go to London, when we get out, when we can travel again, you should book uh, a reservation to go tour that. It is so cool. I think it's like is it like the fourth or fifth version of it? But still, it's pretty like right on. It's cool. Yeah, yeah I know that they. So there's obviously the original. That Shakespeare would have performed at that burned down. And then I do believe they made another one. 
I don't know the time frame, but this was before they, they built a, a globe theater of what they thought that it was before they actually threw, I think some excavation, they discovered the actual foundation of it and they were able to reconstruct it to, uh, like to the, the, the measurements of, of the actual old globe. So I, I think that, I think there's, a, there's at least three renditions of this and it might be, it might be more than that, but I know that's the story that I know for certain those three. It's really neat. Um, the tour is great and you can really see how, how people did theater back then and went to theater and enjoyed it. And, uh, they also have a, a great museum where they have costume pieces and stuff I mean, it's, it's, if, if you love theater and you're in London, you very definitely have to, to book that. Uh, David loved, we took David's dad and he loved it and hmm. he loves the theater that we do. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay. Before we go, please give our audience your social media information so that they can keep up with your company and also where people can donate money. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash cleave shakes and all of this cleave shakes. I'm going to spell this out cause you're going to hear it a lot, but it's C L E V E S H A K E S. So C L E V E S H A K E S. So Facebook is facebook.com slash cleave shakes. Twitter is at cleave shakes fest. Instagram is at Cleave Shakes, and our website is www.cleaveshakes.org, which we will happily accept any and all donations through our website. Uh, you can donate through uh, PayPal uh, or, um, or, or a credit card. Excellent. People, go there and donate. This, I mean, they're, they're doing free shows, and they're wonderful and beautiful, so go there and kick down some money. You could do it. It's Christmas. It's the season for giving. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you have been such a wonderful guest. I, you're, you're so uh, knowledgeable and smart. And uh, I, I love that you uh, were okay with me not being the hugest fan of Shakespeare and, and explaining to, and I, I love that you acknowledge that, that you're okay. like, not everybody is, is going to get it. And this is how you can try to get it. I think Shakespeare has something to offer everyone. And, you know, you don't have to be a huge fan. You don't have to geek out about it like I do. But, uh, but, you know, he really does have something to offer everyone. And, um, and, and I, I hope that, that no matter where you are, whether it's Cleveland or, or, you know, any other, any other city that, that you do, you check out your local, you know, your, your, your local Shakespeare festival or whatever it is. But, um, just, uh, get some exposure to it because I think, I think you'll be surprised and, and I think you'll, uh, you'll have, you'll, you'll just, you'll just have a better understanding. So thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I love this. You're wonderful. Uh, I love talking with you and, and you, you, yeah, absolutely. This was, this was great. Thank you. Good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself and, and, uh, you've imparted uh, a lot of information to, um, to our listeners and they appreciate it. And I, I appreciate it as well. Um, you've been awesome, and I wish you and the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival many broken legs. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. 
Once again, a big thanks to Dustin Welch of the Cleveland Shakespeare Festival. He was awesome. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Again, that's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Your program is your ticket. It is also on Facebook at facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at at program ticket. Instagram at your program is your ticket. YouTube at your program is your ticket. Also, I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespian. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. And Curtain. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.